Gate. Hey guys. <laughs> um, the ladies just arrived. Say hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. It's Maddie and Naomi here, um, and they want to talk about forgiveness today. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Oh, what do you guys want to talk? What aspects of forgiveness do you want to? Uh, forgiveness, as um, as God forgives us, mm. when okay. people do things against us, if it's older, younger, whoever, how, how do we forgive as God forgives us with that grace oh, in our heart? <laughs> so small topic, not a <laughs> <laughs> nothing. We just cover it. We can maybe be done ten minutes or so. Um, so. It's important to understand, and I know I constantly nail this, but you must go to Exodus. I think it's 36. Ah, 36. Um, 36. (laughs) 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 You know you like that. Um, Although it it might be 32, I always get confused with this. If we can't find it in the next couple, maybe you ladies, yes, here's your first test. I'm actually testing you. Um, Where God's self-disclosure to Moses takes place. It might also be 20... He, he Moses says and the glory of God. Yes, 33. that 33. Jeepers, yeah. you did good. <laughs> Alright. Um, Alright, so... It, no, it's 34. Oh, you <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe it is 33. I feel like we're not going to find it now and it's going to be horrible. Where it says, for the Lord has told Moses to tell them your son. Okay, no, he, it is 34. 34. What up? Yeah, okay, 34 verse 6. That's where we start. Um, okay, so Moses, obviously now, he's spoke to the Lord. And I love the way that he actually phrases it. Moses is like, if you read in 33 verse 18, he says, Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Have you guys ever sang that song yet? Show me your glory. Yeah. You guys know, know that yeah, song. Know anyway, that's okay, so so the the heart's cry is, is I mean, obviously it's a little bit different in terms of the way that the Jews related to Yahweh, but I want to know you, Dad. Mm-hmm. Show me who you yeah. are. Because if we know who God is, mm-hmm. we understand more about ourselves yeah. in, in various ways. You know, like... Um, so it starts, mm. v- verse 34, now God says to him, listen, if I show you myself completely, you're going to die. <laughs> so, so I'm going to just show you my back and, you know, when I pass by you, I will proclaim my glory. You know, and he does. Okay, so this is the, this is the Lord's way of self-disclosure. It says in um, 34 verse 6, then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Mm, compassionate and gracious. So that's how he starts. Compassionate and gracious, yeah. merciful, kind. He extends grace, and grace is the power to say no to ungodliness. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace yes. is this equipping thing. You know, like, and I just love the way, and this is why I brought us to here first. Yeah. And we, we don't need to go through the rest. We, we can at another stage, but. He's gracious. That's how it starts. And he's compassionate. So in us wanting to forgive people, if we don't start at compassion, wanting to see our hearts stretched so that love can be extended to them, so that what we show them is more of God, you know what I mean? We will always come to a place of, in our pride, not extending forgiveness. There's reasons for us to not forgive. Many, many reasons. I've I mean, and, and you can go through this just at a practical level. If a woman that's raped by the rapist um, 10 years down the line, it's very difficult for her to, you know, we, we often as Christians just go to people and say, well, you just need to forgive, you know, like, yeah. but forgiveness 
isn't something that we just do. It's not something that we just have the capacity to close our eyes, push down our teeth and say, no, I, I forgive you, you know. And even when we do do that, this is what I was saying to you the other day. Yeah, the idea of forgiveness, the question would be, how do we know we've completely forgiven? And I suppose at some level, it means that the, the, the thing that offended us or the thing that we yeah. were holding on to could be spoken about and we could speak out of a place of grace without it affecting our emotions yes, anymore. Yes. We actually truly have, and this is what I was saying to you the other day, cauterized the wound. It's burnt away. It's not, yes. it's not, only, that, on it's not only that it's stitched. I think, and this is, I think forgiveness can be a process. Um, it's not necessarily something that there's That's a once-off thing. Yeah, so we'll, maybe I should magnify God's forgiveness and then how we practically apply it. Okay, so it says, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, self-disclosure. This is who He is and because of His heart towards us in love. Look what it says. Slow to anger. That's something that we need deeply in our walk with forgiveness specifically. You can't, you can't, we need patience to be able to encounter problems or when people offend us or when yeah. circumstances don't go our way or whatever. Even when we need to forgive ourselves, yes. it's, it's, it's detrimental for us to move to a place instantly where we become incredibly angry towards ourselves and that anger then turns to self-hatred. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't find a place of repentance, you know, like, and, but it, 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 it's not helpful for us to just grow in hatred and by hatred I mean speaking about condemn, condemning yes. ourselves, thinking of ourselves as completely useless, worthless, never going to get better. You know, that's what happens when we do something and we feel like when I sin and then post my sin, I reflectively look on my sin. If I do so with a heart that's not instantly running to Christ, asking for forgiveness, knowing that the blood of the Lord washes me pure of this sin, and that then from that point on, lifting my head up high and boldly, courageously going forward, not, not constantly reflecting on how bad I was. Um, if I don't do that, I'm living in some form of religion because that's what religion dictates to us, that do something bad. Feel bad about it. Continue to feel bad about it until you've done enough good things to not feel bad yeah, about it. It's like, no, you don't want that. You, you want to walk in grace and completely and wholly forgive oneself of the yeah. sin. Now, that only comes through true yeah. repentance and true obedience and turning away. Mm. But obviously, the, 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 how that we connect that in yeah. terms of not being directly angry with ourselves is that I can, I can do something bad. Let's say I fall into pornography mm. and I watch pornography and once I'm done watching the porn, I, I feel this gripping thing on my heart and I'm like, Jared, you're such a freak. You're mm. such an insignificant little, you'll never get better. You are worth nothing. You know what I mean? That, that just leads, and that's anger. Now it's anger perpetuated obviously by demonic lies speaking yeah. over my, my identity. That's not necessarily true. My identity is rooted in Christ. Now this is not to say that I'm justifying my sin or that I shouldn't vehemently hate yeah. evil. I should. I'm just saying it doesn't help for us to start hating ourselves. Oh. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be an aspect of self-love and self-hate. Self-hate towards the things that you want to change, but not allowing for those things to become who you are. And self-love in the fact that Christ has said that you are certain things and then you grip hold of that identity and walk, out the, walk it out in confidence. Okay, so that was just to say, slow to anger. And this is where actually I wanted to land. And abounding in loving kindness and truth. And he keeps loving kindness for thousands. Who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Mm. That's so 
so God, who God is, when he initially describes himself, he says, I'm forgiving. That's who I am. Now, obviously, at a practical level, when we apply this to ourselves, can we say the same thing? Can I look in the mirror and say, who I am is a forgiving individual? You know what I, or, or you get what I mean? And I mean, a lot of the time, I don't think that would be a, a yes. I think a lot of the time it'd be like, no, dude, you're pretty, you're, you're a pretty grudgy person. You, you, you like to exert your superiority when somebody does something bad by then defensively, you know, because defense mechanisms make us feel protected. We, when, when, and, and it's so difficult. The other day I got into this existential crisis. I don't know if I was telling you ladies about this. I was um, studying Islam. I'm writing a paper at the moment about uh, the effects of rejection on Muhammad's psyche and the, effect, the effects of rejection on Christ's psyche mm, yeah. from the Jewish people specifically. So the way that prior to a rejection experience from the Jewish people, how did they perceive them? And what was the, the, how did they perceive the faith? Then what was the emotional and physical responses to the actual rejection experience? And then following on that, what did how did their rejection experience change the way that they viewed the Jewish people in the Jewish faith? So how then did rejection as a whole influence fundamental Islam and evangelical Christianity? That's my question. Yeah. But in 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 well diving deep into the psychological effects of rejection, um, three things came out that rejection allows for um, either a person becomes self rejecting and that's what we were speaking about earlier that's where you internalize the thing of like oh my word i am such a bad person this person was right i don't i'm such a stuff up i always screw up i'll never get better that i am it's like wallowing in self-pity woe is me my life is bad i am the wretch of the earth and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with initially encountering wretched man that i am who can that save me and then it. literally the next step Christ, yeah. you need that experience. You know what I mean? So, um, or what happens is in rejection, you go through self-approval where you use an, an outside source that's not based in reality to find approval for yourself. Yeah. Um, Muhammad did this in using Allah to, he, Muhammad wanted to sleep. Well, he really fancied his daughter-in-law. Um, he was like, dang, girl, I see you shaking damn hips, baby. No um, <laughs> well, he probably didn't say it like that because he was Arabic. So, <laughs> probably not that. Okay, um, so listen, if, if there are Islamic people listening to this, please don't kill me. <laughs> like, I have a long life ahead of me. Anyway, um, so he wanted to sleep with his, his, his daughter-in-law. Then his adopt, okay, so daughter-in-law, the son was an orphan, got adopted by Muhammad and then got married. Then the, the son-in-law saw that Muhammad wanted to, he was like giving the looks, you know. The, <laughs> anyway, so he divorced his wife. Oh. And so that Muhammad could marry his daughter-in-law. Because Allah supposedly gave, or allegedly gave, Muhammad this this revelation because it was really really against Arabic culture to mm. do this you couldn't marry within the family it's incest yeah so so Allah gives him this revelation that no you can 
marry the adopted mm-hmm. child and and this is a strong reason as to why adoption is not at all present these days in islamic culture or at, as a whole you don't find it because of this law anyway the way of rejection and self-approval is that muhammad used god to get what he wants so that something inside of him can be validated you know what i mean so he used an outside source not based in reality to approve which we do a lot of the time, like when, when I tell myself, I'm not that bad. You know, like you yeah, say yeah. to me, Jared, you're a liar. And instead of me just trying to find a place of forgiveness to you, I say, well, my mom doesn't think I'm a liar. Therefore, ah, I am not a liar. You know what I'm using? Like, yeah, I, I, I bring some sense of self-approval so as to avoid the actual situation in front mm-hmm. of me. And then the last thing that you do is retaliation. That's the, that'd be the final war it would be that i want to gain control over this situation and therefore you do bad to me i do bad to you or i'll do worse to you i'll show you this can come in different forms of manipulation or then with regard to what we're talking about now unforgiveness in hard-heartedness and you be the bad guy you'll always be the bad guy and i will make it purposefully known to all of those around us that you remain the bad guy you know what i mean like no forgiveness coming from me um Anyway, so I was doing this study and, and I realized, crap, I'm Muhammad. <laughs> I'm so far away from Jesus. Jesus, as a Christian, so the professor, the, the prof giving this lecture, he says, listen, if you're a Christian, you have no right to respond in any of those three ways. Because Christ's direct call to us is one of self-denial. Which means Absolutely. that if, if you are not willing to extend forgiveness, there's already something wrong already with it. Something that, wrong. Um, because it means that it's about you, not about the person in front of you. And that's not an extension of love. Agape love. Mm. You know, like agape love, like we see in the uh, revelation of who God is, is, yeah. is he is selfless love. That's mm. who he is. So if we are to follow him and become like him, so too are we to be. Um, anyway, so I was just thinking to myself, oh my word, I am far short from that. I am so far short. I respond yeah. not in a way that is forgiving and loving mm. and, and mm. gracious. So, again, I think that the way that we start this is by looking directly at God. Okay. It's like, okay. Yeah. So who God is, as we see here, compassionate. His heart is inclined towards mercy. When he sees someone that's afflicted, someone in bondage, someone that's entrapped in some form of or iniquity even mm. his heart is geared towards compassion initially mm. not geared towards ju- uh, uh, like he doesn't want to just anger. He, he, well yeah slow to anger it's not even just anger it's he's not geared understanding he's, un- he's geared towards um forgiveness that's oh. by, by virtue of his nature mm. now we don't need to go into all the doctrine of of election and all the doctrine of I don't want to do all of that. I'm just saying in his self-disclosure right now, in the way that I and you are viewing him, God's invitation is one towards compassion. As we see with Christ, when he sees the people, he's filled with compassion. He extends mercy. There's a beautiful example of this that I'll show you now um, that you don't pick up on in several of the Gospels in the synoptics. Okay, so, so who God is forgiveness he's gracious and compassionate abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness he maintains love to thousands he forgives wickedness rebellion and sin this is who he is right and so okay i want to become like you now we go to matthew 5 and we see what christ actually instructs for us in that place and it's weird because um 
You can read in various places. I'll give you an example just so you think I'm not talking rubbish. Um, you can go to Matthew 5 so long, though. I never need you. No, I know. Uh, but I'll give you an example of in the Old Testament. Okay, so like David, if you read the Psalms, have you ever heard of an imprecatory psalm? You know no. what that means? No. Um, so the Psalms are divided into... Torture and happiness. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called lamentations. <laughs> yeah. So you're lamenting of the yeah. depra- or your situation. It's this cry out in a place of then despair. Happy, then, oh, don't say it. Yeah, it's the suffering. whole, oh, how long, how long, how, how long, oh Lord. I actually love the fact that... Um, that it shows that. Yeah, the, psalm, the Psalms are our understanding of human emotion. You can yeah. put it that way. In light of who God is. So... So in many Psalms, the conflict isn't necessarily resolved in the way that we would expect for it to be. There's like, it doesn't say, but you break in and you change everything and everything gets better. Like a few of the Lamentation Psalms. It's not happy. Like it ends on, I'm going to trust you, but I still feel really, really stuffed up. You know what I mean? Like, and then obviously get the praise Psalms and the, the, you know, the Psalms of the Saints. But there are things called imprecatory Psalms. Which form, psalms are we at now? You can go to Psalm, mm, they're everywhere, but it's Psalm 5, Psalm 11, Psalm 13, so the, these would be big ones. Um, we can even do Psalm 3, we'll do Psalm 3, because um, it's an oh, imprecatory. <laughs> so, so like so David here, let's just read the whole thing. His heart is not geared towards universal forgiveness. That's what we want. Remember, David is a prime example of what human beings need in terms of forgiveness because we think of him and Bathsheba. His his cry in Psalm 51 is our deep, deep cry of asking for forgiveness. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. That's what he constantly draws attention to, as we already have seen through the self-disclosure of God. He's compassionate. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is the cry of a desperate man. And for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. This is what he's saying. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. This is where those big, big theological lines are drawn it's like david is crying from the heart of what he knows to be incredibly deceptive and wicked he's speaking from a place of him knowing i am evil you know what i mean like and what i've done is incredibly depraved against you and in sin my mother conceived me behold your desires for truth in my innermost being and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom purify me with this up against the whole cry is just one asking for forgiveness and he ends it with that beautiful line the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart oh god you will not despise i love telling people this contrition literally means crushing Mm. so so he's saying if my heart was like stone what you need for it to happen is for it to be crushed down to a place of powder so that the spirit of god in in, in however this works can be molded into something new you know like Mm. but you need for me to be crushed Mm. christians myself included i hate conceptually the idea that in god's presence i am to be crushed so as for him to form me it's a weird weird you know what i mean like but it's a beautiful crushing it's a crushing that i want to take place because 
it's the recognition of a heart of stone. Yeah. If my heart's stone, bring contrition, you know, like, I want a humble and contrite heart, you know, like, anyway, um, so, so here he's praying, this is a guy that knows what it means to ask for forgiveness, yet the extension of the universal forgiveness is not necessarily something we see in the imprecatory psalm, so like we see in Psalm 3 here, oh Lord, how my adversaries have adversaries adversaries had adversaries have increased okay there's lots of these guys coming against them many are rising up against me many are saying of my soul there is no deliverance for him in god selah it means just think about patience take a pause nobody really knows what selah means but there's a whenever you read it the most interpreters take it to mean wait i mean it's a musical note so so hold that thought interlude is what i've got yeah focus on what just happened um, so, but that means that he wants, they're saying there is no deliverance for him in God. So, so when we think to ourselves, there's no hope, how my heart's going to turn. That's what the enemy is speaking over our heart. There's no way that we are going to be set free. There's no way that God's going to come and break into the situation. You wait there, realize that is what they're saying. And now you see what David says in terms of the way that yeah. God's going to respond. But you, O oh Lord, <laughs> are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. Oh, beautiful picture. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. So again, you, they were saying there's no deliverance. Wait, that's how I felt. But you answer me. That's the truth. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's the disconnecting point. Yeah. It feels like this is not going to change, but you tell me it is. That's yes, the idea. Yes. But now becomes the imprecatory part. I lay down and I slept. Again, there's rest when you know that God is for you. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people who set themselves against me around about me. Arise, O Lord, and save me. Oh my God. Now listen to what he says here. For you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek or... Various translations is like, punch them in the cheek, God. What is your say? Um, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Yeah, Slap. break them. Break them. Left hook, Mike Tyson, them, drop them like it's hot, you know, like, and he's saying it to God. He's like, I hate the fact that these guys are coming against me with such violence and telling me that you don't exist. Kill them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's, that's the human heart. <laughs> like, that's how we feel, right? Sometimes it's like forgiveness is just not on an option right now. Right now, I want you to break their jaw and I want to delight in you breaking their jaw. You know, um, you have shattered the teeth of the wicked. He's like literally painting this picture of like coyote running after that. You know, have you guys ever watched that roadrunner? Yes. And yes. then, and then he hits that wall because he, coyote paints that picture of like okay. a, a, a continued pathway and then the thing just runs and then you see like the cartoon where it just goes <laughs> like that's the picture he's painting he's like that's what i want to see when i look at my enemies now there's a strong sense of yes please lord jesus do that to the devil tear down the powers and the authorities and the the heavens the things in the spiritual places shatter their teeth i can't wait to stand with you as you mock them in derision because these are your enemies and i will judge them with you yes break them yeah. kill them crucify them but but david's talking about people here <laughs> so it's a whole different like like i hate these guys man <laughs> punch them for me god anyway it's not a heart of forgiveness salvation belongs to the lord your blessings upon your people now 
We're not going to go into what the implications of imprecatory psalms are because firstly the Holy Spirit's inspiring him to say this. So this is a whole different topic for a different day. Yeah. But the reality is from a human perspective, David's heart is not geared towards complete forgiveness here. Yeah. Can, you get, can we agree yeah, that? You know, like, yeah. well, what we understand well, to be forgiveness. Again, there's, yeah. still, there's still an understanding when Jesus, Jesus' self-disclosure later, as we will see now, um, he says, love your enemies. Mm. So, so mm. whoa, I don't know I mean, if love I mean, is me asking God to smite them. You know? yeah, <laughs> if it is, then I really love mine. <laughs> I'm but just joking. Looking at the crucifixion day. Yeah. How Jesus stood there like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah. Didn't defend himself. Yeah. He just no, well, exactly. with him. So we're going to touch on a few things here. Mm. Okay, actually, before we jump to Matthew 5, which is going to be our text. We'll do Matthew 5 as our text. But I wanted to okay. just jump to Colossians. Okay. I'm going to say 3. But I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, it doesn't really matter because I'm the one speaking. <laughs> yeah, no, we just, we just follow you. Yeah. <laughs> Colossians 3. Okay, so this is one of the, arguably one of my favorite texts in the Bible in terms of, and I know I, whenever you guys come, you know, the, the basic thing that I say to you is you need to keep your mind focused on things above in the spiritual places. You need to constantly focus on the good that God has done in your past and you need to be able to reflectively look on God's character so that you can love people. That's all I basically ever say. I just say it in different ways. Like, Focus on the resurrection, focus on eternity, focus on who God is and focus on how you can love people. Yes. That's all it basically boils yes, down yeah. to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Anyway, so here, here Paul actually writes and he gives this expression, well, a very clear way how to do this. I've, I've given a sermon on this too, so if you guys want to listen to that, I'll put it up. Anyway, basically it just says, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Again, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appear, then you will also appear and be revealed with him in glory. So there's this beauty, like, don't look at your situation. Don't look at the things that are happening around you. Don't focus on your struggles right now. Look at Jesus. Yeah. And in that place, there's life, okay? Yes. Constantly just drawing our attention towards eternal realities. But look what he says. He goes through this whole list of sins. He goes through this whole list of people, uh, how, they, how they sin. Okay, well, let's just read it because I want to get to that part anyway. Mm -hmm. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Okay, we don't need to go into that. I speak about God's wrath enough. Um, and in them, you also once walked. Again, past tense, just an emphasis there. When you were living in them. But now you also put aside anger. Now look at this list. Um, one can juxtapose where he goes a little bit later in, in, in a positive sense with the negative yeah. sense here. Okay, so when you're angry with someone, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're sinning. Uh, because we know, let yeah. the sun go down here. It's just that you have to be righteously angry. But... I've had this conversation with you guys many times. I think for us to claim that every single um, beat of our heart is one of holy anger and that the other person's always wrong is somewhat prideful, which would make you yeah. sinning. Anyway, so, but look what he says here. Putting aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. So all of those things at some level relate to unforgiveness. All of them. 
When someone has hurt you, that's what you do. You get angry with them, rage against them. You maliciously want to uh, deceive them, whatever, break, break them apart. You slander them with bad words um, and you, you abuse them with your speech. You tell people that they're stupid. Um, do not lie to one another since you have put away your old self with evil practices and put on the new self. Okay, so this is the, the conceptual idea of what he's saying here is take off who you once were. Make sure that you're wearing Jesus. And, though, and the way that you do that is by looking at who he is and knowing that when he comes back, that's who you are. So put that on, put that on, put that on, put that on. Okay, but anyway, so he says, yeah, um, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of himself who's created a renewal in which there is now no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbadian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Now listen here. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, who has a complaint against everyone. Okay, so there we have, um, and forgiving each other. And forgiving each other. Now, this is speaking specifically to the brethren that we are to forgive one another that are in yeah. the Lord. But look how, he, look how he lands this plane. And that's when we're going to jump to Matthew 5. Um, Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. That's a high freaking calling, man. Mm. That's, that's saying... Remember the way that you deserved hell because of every single intention of your heart yes. that prior to Christ, everything that you did was out of a place of pride, anger, rage, self-good. And then Jesus, who laid down his life, absorbed the wrath of the Father, was disconnected from the Father, endured physical pain and, and social torment for your sake, out of a place of love, compassion, grace. You know, that's how you need to act with people. Always. So, so when our heart's intention is to be more like my hub and say, stuff you, man, I'm going to control the situation and make you feel bad. That's not what Jesus did mm. at all. Like at all, at all. Jesus, yeah. as you were saying, he was a silent to the sheep led to the slaughter. There's a beauty to this, that it's a constant inst instantaneous, Lord, I want to forgive and love. I want to overlook their trespasses. Yeah. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Yes. This person can be offended, offensive towards me. Mm. They can shoot their fiery darts, but fiery darts have no effect on a dead body. So if I'm dead to myself, doesn't matter what you do to me, I'm dead. Yes, exactly. All I can respond with is life. Yes. All I can respond with is love. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. All I can re respond with at some level is what Christ responds with on the cross. The mm. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And again, however you take that verse, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying that's the idea. Mockery, shame, scorn, derision, uh, rejection, hurt, affliction. Whatever anybody does towards you, our, our immediate response is not to think how should I feel feel in retaliation our immediate response is jesus what did you do to not retaliate yes i'm doing that you know what i mean like i'm connecting to you i'm dying with jesus yes. Yes. now we look at christ's actual instructions which is in matthew 5 um okay There's so much in Matthew 5 that, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount is unbelievable. But I want to touch on one thing and then we jump to Matthew 6 just to, to land that. Um, okay, so 
personal relationships, the way that we connect to one another. You have heard the ancient words, you, wish, you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with a brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing or racha, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you're presenting your... Okay, now here we go. So, this is the point, part I just want to nail Which on. Is that now, Matthew 5? 5.23. So, he's, he's, he's drawing attention to the same way that it, you, you are not supposed to allow for this affliction to come upon you, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the way that people are um, against you. You know, like, if someone is your enemy and they have done something against you or they're holding on to something against you... Oh, yeah. And this is what you need to focus on. And he says, therefore, if you're presenting your offer, offering at the altar, okay, so you're coming forward at church, you're spending time in prayer, you want to reconnect your heart, and there remain, remember, and then remember that brother, that your brother has something against you. Mm. Not that you have something against your brother, mm. yeah. that your brother has something against you. <laughs> you know, like, look what he says here. Leave your offering before you continue on. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Mm -hmm. so, so there's an understanding. And obviously this can't work at a practical level where you think to yourself, Oh my word, who have I offended? What did I do wrong? Who doesn't like me? I need to go to them all the time and just constantly apologize. But the, 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 heart, the heart direction and intention here is that extreme. It is supposed to be that my heart is so geared towards forgiveness yeah. and reconciliation because all that I want to see is unity and love that I will do anything so as yeah. for that person to, to be able to connect to Christ. The, Paul writing and he says, so far as you can, be at peace with all men. You know what I mean? Like, so, so the understanding is if somebody is against me, aside from being against me for the gospel's sake or for the proclamation of Jesus' sake, if it is something that I have done, it's my responsibility yes, to go and reconcile yes. that relationship. That's the idea. Now, again, lots of people will just be against you because of what you're saying about Jesus, which is why I want to jump to Matthew 6, because it's important to just emphasize that quickly. He says in his prayer, um, Lord, teach us to pray. So then do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily breads and forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven mm. our debtors. Yeah. Yeah. To the exact same measure that I have already handed over their trespasses to you because I don't want to try and make it if, yes, as if I am. Yeah, I'm the, I can't be the judge, you know, like, so I'm just going to walk in a place of forgiveness, lay down my life, allow for self-denial to just effectively not say that I am, see, this is the problem. People think that this, and I include myself when I say people, people think that this text only applies when the person um, is wrong. Yeah. They're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, if 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 I'm wrong. You know, like so so this applies all around. Sometimes it requires for us humbly to just look Even if you think you're right, that was Exactly. Reconciliation is the goal. You know yeah. what I mean? It requires humility for us to go forward and try and to establish a place of unity and love, even when I feel like the majority of the reason that we're in a place of dissension is you. It's your fault. Yeah. Everything inside of me at that moment wants to say, Shatter the teeth, Jesus! Yeah. 
but I can't. <laughs> you like, so I'm supposed to say, listen, I've told you this the other day. Mm. Um, even if I only have 1% of the guilt, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for my 1%. Yes. So I don't come in there already thinking... 99% I'm right anyway. Oh, yeah. And that very well might be the truth. In a lot of cases, it is the truth. But what's, but your point? what's your point coming there then? To forgive and to still... Yeah, are you harboring that 99%? Are you there to forgive? Yeah. Because if you're there to forgive, like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah. And again, I don't necessarily think... When, when people attach the whole forgive and forget, I wouldn't necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. I, I would say forgive and use... Um, I, I think if you can emotionally connect it still to the pain, it means that you haven't properly forgiven. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be completely naive to the fact that that occurred. You know, like, it can be that, no, I completely forgive you. And I think... The fact that the Lord can use that experience for the empowerment of our both of our lives and as a testimony for His glory in going in the kingdom. Yeah. It means that I've really forgiven you. But I don't think it's important for us to just say, no, we're going to pretend like it never happened. No, if it happened and true forgiveness has taken place, that's incredible. That's not normal. Everything about the human heart doesn't let that happen. We are offended creatures. So, so if I have come to a place for some strange reason to the world of actual forgiveness, it should be declared that I give all yeah, glory for that yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Look how I can stand side by side by the, for the person who broke me. Yeah. And not trying to say, this is not what you should be doing. This is just trying to, or, or this is what you should be doing. Look how good I am at forgiveness. That, I don't mean it like that. It's just that look at what Jesus does. Yeah, That's Jesus, the idea. Okay, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, this is also so important because people don't realize this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory and forever and ever. Amen. But, okay, so for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Is it in brackets in your, your or is there a little like a little mark? Yeah. That's not in early manuscripts. But I don't even have it in mine. Okay, yeah, so some Bibles won't even put it in there. It is really just a, a scribal... And I'm not going to go into what the implications of that are. Um, it's right there that this is a scribal edition. So um, that being said, though, it's important for me to say that because let's say we take out for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. And directly connected to. So verse 13 and verse 14 are connected aside from that. It would read and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, that's how it would read. Right. Is that how it reads no. in yours? So the, the thing that Jesus re-emphasizes is forgiveness. Oh. You would expect for him to re-emphasize provision, which is give us as they are daily bread, deliverance, deliver us from evil. But he doesn't. He re because the one that's necessary for us to truly grip hold of, because I would argue it's the thing that we probably struggle with the most, is forgiveness. And he brings it up again. For if you forgive others for their transgression, and he does so with a warning, your heavenly father will also yeah. forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive you of your transgressions. And this is important because in the prayer, aside from the additional amen, this would still very much be part of what Jesus is saying yeah. in the teaching. Yeah. He's, remember, he's going through a, a list of things that, that you shouldn't do and that you should do mm -hmm. in terms of the way that you appropriate your righteousness with regard to fasting, with regard to all of these things. So, so when instructing on prayer, mm -hmm. 
his emphasis, he would have said this. Let's say, so do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Okay, so look at me. I'm going to teach you how to pray. Pray then in this way. Our father who's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So as we forgive those who have forgiven our debts. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then he would look up. While he's still speaking, same breath. Look up. For if you forgive others. Mm. So the prayer, the power of the prayer is directly connected to their heart's intention. Yes. And he wants for them to completely realize that if they're going to pray that, they need to pray that both with the warning that's going to be connected to them. And the truth, the power that... For if you forgive others of their transgression, your heavenly father will forgive you also. Mm. That's so deep. That's so rich. Now, yeah. this is not um, righteous works obedient. You know, like, because no, this not. thing can become like, wait, so if I don't get everything right in my heart towards forgiveness, Jesus is not going to forgive me. No, that's not at all. You know, like, come to me all over weary. There's an idea that as you appropriate or as you confess your sins, you are forgiven. You know, like, that. that's it. <laughs> forgiveness and glory. But... In us praying this day by day, walking with the Lord, it's a conversation with our dad saying, Dad, you search my heart. You know how I'm responding to people. You know where I'm lacking in holding on to things still. So it's false for me to say to God, forgive me this day as I have forgiven others. And then I realized, actually, no, (laughs) I'm holding on to deep, being deep, Connections of Maybe hatred. Maybe the person you have to forgive already died yeah, like, years ago. Yeah. You can't go to them. I feel like ever so often. You, but you need to know in your heart there's still. No, for sure. To deal with. There's there's this there's this idea when we just recite things as a a repetitious form. Imagine what God does with it. He wants for us to know that. Mm. So so when you stand in the school assembly, our Father who art in heaven, and then and then Jesus or God, and then He looks down at us and He's like, but have you forgiven them? Because if we realize what we're saying, there are implications to it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and it will drive us towards, as we have, yeah, it's a past tense thing. He's, he's, we, it makes no sense for us. And you're proclaiming it by saying it. Yeah, as we have, it's a lie. I believe he phrased it like that. So that you could not enter into the Lord's daily prayer without having forgiven. There's an idea there that's like, if you say this, you're lying. Yeah. I don't want you to lie to me. You know what I mean? And you should not want to lie to God. It should be that the way that I approach this is that the Lord Jesus Christ died out of a place com- yes. of compassion and mercy so that I could walk mm. in the forgiveness that is extended to me yes. and then extended to others. Yeah. This is all about compassion and grace. Mm. It's all that it's about. As we see in the initial self-disclosure of God. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Okay. Oh, um, so the idea, again, is for when I, I have to look with compassion, practical aspect here. Why is this person saying what they're saying? How has their life led to this point Do where they are they being say. in this place? What is wrong? What is happening emotionally? I'm, I'm compassionately extending grace. You know what I mean? It's not, a, it's not just something that I, in that moment, which means that constantly in, in us, we need to be so deeply rooted, as Paul was saying, or deeply clothed in that compassion. Clothe yourselves with humility, gentleness, compassion. And clothe yourselves with it. 
so that at all times I'm giving my mind over to the things of the Lord. I'm giving my heart over to the things of the Lord. I'm continuously connecting to who Jesus is so that whenever any of these things happen in my life, a, 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 a situation where, wherein I have to extend forgiveness and grace, I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm constantly walking in that place of compassion and forgiveness because of who Christ is to me yes. that I can immediately look at you and give you that compassion. And give you that compassion. Yeah. I can extend that compassion out of a place of overflow where I truly, truly do care about why you're in that place. Mm. What the hell, Jared? Why is that um, wrapper left on the floor? Seriously, are you a freaking idiot, man? Why would you do that? Yeah. In my flesh, everything would rise to the place. Crush their teeth! But if I am so clothed in compassion, whoa, where did that come from? Mm. What? Uh, I'll go pick it up right now, but listen, I just want to speak to you. What, what's been happening? Like, where are you? Can, is there something I can pray for? Yeah, like, um, and I'm not even being condescending here. I genuinely care. I don't like seeing you like this. You know, like there's a... And, and then again, the grace to, in that moment, give them favor that they do not deserve. Some people don't deserve forgiveness from our perspective. Actually, to be quite frank, no human being on the planet uh, deserves forgiveness. God, in His grace, yeah, exactly. is being compassionate above and beyond. We didn't have to do anything to get it. Yeah, we didn't. And He, doesn't, he doesn't have to give it. Yeah. Forgiveness yeah. is something that's extended because of a characteristic. Yeah, you don't have to forgive people. You're more than well within your rights to not forgive people. But the problem is unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Bitterness leads mm. to some form of pride. And pride in some deep level leads to death. Because then you start harboring malice and wrath yeah. and hatred. And, and stress and hard Yeah, all of this stuff. The best kind of Bible is love with the love of Christ. Yeah. Love of Christ is all these things. If you have to put Christ in the middle and you say love and you have all those little things. It will be all the things we talk about now mm -hmm. to have it almost like a shield in your brain. All the time that you walk, you see that. So if something comes up quickly, you don't have to think about it. Just like it's like burning Boom. into your forehead. Mm -hmm. Earlier you were talking about, I really like how you said I was evil, man. <laughs> but it's so true. Until we, I get to the place where um, I recognize how evil and wretched I am, you know, having fallen short of the glory. Yeah. And what God did for me, mm. then I won't be able to do it for others. Whereas, yeah, like in my experience, I would see someone, oh, they're doing something evil. Mm. But then I'm reminded, you're also, you know, you also were evil. Yeah. Or you got a big fat log in your eye. You know, basically that. Sometimes I think I have a forest in my eye. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's where it comes from, from realizing, uh-uh. I can't see what's in my eye, so mm. before I poke what's in your eye, mm. let me go see if, yeah. if there's no evil in me. Yeah. And I think in that place, and this is why I was trying to, there needs to be a continual balance. Mm. Uh, the scales of identity in light of the, who yeah. you are in Christ can't just be, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? I am the chief among sinners. <laughs> Like, no, a lot of the stuff that Paul writes, a lot of the stuff that we see in the way that Christ instructs us is to be very confident in who we are. You know what I mean? Self-love is very important too. So I acknowledge the depravity of my sinful flesh, yet in exactly the same breath or heartbeats, I acknowledge that sinful flesh is not who I am. Yes. It's yeah. the... It's the, the 
companionship of both righteousness bestowed upon me in Christ Jesus as well as sinfulness inherently within me through flesh. Does that make any sense? And I weigh those two things constantly. And if you don't weigh both scales, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to fall into deep condemnation and depression where all that you can focus on is the fact that you're not good enough. Or you're going to fall into some form of overly confident, um, almost pseudo experiential uh, interaction with people. Because people can see straight through the fact that you genuinely think that you're great. You know what I mean? Like... This person, I'm so great right now. You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Everything about me is good. And I don't have any flaw. I don't have any sin. I'm super confident in who I am in the Lord. And I do not sin anymore. This, this, this teaching that's been dropped very recently that you can get to a place where human beings will no longer sin. If God's grace is sufficient to empower us to overcome sin, which it is, then by extension, the, the, the philosophical framework so the, so here is that exist anymore. Oh yeah, as a ch- as a child of God, not not even hyper grace. As a child of God, I can get to a place where I will cease from sin yeah. completely. You know what I mean? Like full stop in this life. Mm. You know, and it's take us back easy. to the cross. Why did yeah. you die? Now there's a, there's right. an implication here. Even as I say that, if you go to two <laughs> Peter, um, there there is something beautiful about the way that he phrases this. One two Peter. Two Peter. Second Peter, sorry for all of us actually English people. Uh, one, it's actually one Peter four. Okay. And then yeah. Okay, so it says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Mm. So, so it's not the idea that we're going to completely and wholly be the uh, uh, never sin again. It's the idea that if I engage my pl- my my flesh in a place of self denial and crucifixion, where I in- where I endure suffering, where 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 I am okay with affliction, because I recognize that through the affliction, you are listening to John Piper say something freaking incredible this morning. He said. The Lord takes you through hell now to get it out of you before you get into heaven. And I was like, that's the, that's the oh, point, that's man. Yeah, that's the, I, I can endure suffering because when you're in that place of tribulation and things are not as e- easy and your circumstances suck, the fleshly side of you rears yeah. its ugly head. Yeah. When the line at, at, um, Ooh, the, it's too long. It's too long. No, you, your foot starts <laughs> tapping away there like you bugs bunny, man. It becomes so like, no, 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 no. I just need to get to the front now. Or very, the, the most observable one would be that when someone cuts you off at a roadblock, everybody has this instinctive, you freaking idiot, what are you doing on the road? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and, and, whoa, <laughs> like, yeah. where did that come from? Now, that's not for me to say that everybody, that some people drive like clowns and they need to be called out. <laughs> You suck, but but do it, yeah. So that's the part I wanted to find out, and I think Maddie was sharing with me where there's forgiveness, but con and consequences yeah. of the sin that yeah. was forgiven. Yeah. Okay, so it depends, obviously, varying on the sin. Yeah. Someone steps on my toe, I'm not gonna drop them in the face and be like, "You deserve that, you stupid sinner." You know what I mean? But but. And it's the same. I mean, the severity of the sin that's in our... Discipline, our discipline. We, are you talking the, about discipline yeah, with regards to children? Di- yeah, that's a discipline. Yeah, first with people and then we'll yeah. connect it to children. Okay, yeah. so, so first... Our God disciplines us? No, he beats us. Kotana! Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't have that? Sometimes I wake up. Yesterday, last night, I was standing in church listening to a sermon. And, and honestly, I felt like... 
this is what I imagine um, like God's rod looks like as it hits my butt. And I'm okay, no, it was it was my mistake completely and only not out of a place of I hate you, it is out of a place of listen, if I don't have that physical expression of love being given to me in the form of discipline right now, I would yeah, feel completely disconnected from you. You, you know what I mean? Like because you love. Yeah. Because. You read that in Hebrews very clearly. Sometimes when I read that God's scourges like, dang, son, this is how you know you're a child of God. If you do not go through discipline, you're probably not saved. Exactly. That's literally what it says. Mm. You want to touch on that? You, you wanna, yeah, like, yeah, let's go for it. Hebrews 13. Listen how, listen how it's not uh, play around. By any, oh, it's Hebrews 12, sorry. He says, you have not yet resisted. Okay, so he's pointing towards the beauty of Christ dying on the cross and how that endurance is purposefully changing uh, stuff inside of us and gives us hope and joy. It's one of the most incredible things that you can possibly read. Then Hebrews 12, 1, he says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin. So not necessarily only our sinful things, not the things that would be obviously circled on the sin test, but things that are hindering you from running after Christ, which so easily entangles us. It's like a swamp or like a, like, you know, where, where things just come and they grow. And uh, when I'm de-weeding things, it just is like this, this little weed that grows over this little thing. I'm just going to rip it out. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily choking the plant yet. Yeah. But it has the capacity to choke the plant when the plant continues to grow. So for now, just anything that's going to entangle, just rip it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and this is us evaluating our heart, saying what is, uh, what is presenting itself as an obstacle between the way that I view the throne and my life? Mm. How, what what little thing? Yeah, if I have a highway straight from my heart to heaven, what are the pit stops that I'm willing to stop at? I might not stop there. It's just an opportunity to stop. You know what I mean? It's because my vision is supposed to be solely focused on the throne. So even for a second, if I look to the pit stop because I think that that thing is more beautiful, in very, very, uh, very, very quickly, that encumbrance, that obstacle becomes something that I turn over and therefore becomes sinful. It becomes idolatrous. I can say... Lord, I want your love and I want to move towards this place of beauty and glory. And I want my heart to be continuously stirred by the beauty of who you are so that I can walk in purity yeah. and love. And on the way can be family. I can want a family. Mm. That's, there's nothing wrong about that. But if it can't, becomes an encumbrance, yeah. if it becomes something that weighs me down, that distracts me from glory. And I think to myself, that looks good. It's like the ice cream truck. You know what I mean? I wanted to wet my taste because it's something that I desire right now where God says to you, you can either have an, or you can want to taste an ice cream now, or you can get to the place where you're supposed to get where I'm going to buy you a tub. You know what I mean? Like there's going to just focus there. Encumbrance all of a sudden becomes sin because you know what happens a lot of the time, both in my own heart and everybody else's, I do stop. I stop at the, the family offering because it's something that I want right now. And all of a sudden, my distraction has become idolatrous to the point of all that I can see is how good my family life is, how bad my family life is, how many obstacles are in front of me when drawing my children to closer to all, all of these things, bringing up my kids, money, all this stuff becomes the sole focus of my life. And 
all of a sudden that encumbrance is holding me down. It's tangled yes. me. So, so right now, I run towards where I'm supposed to be. And if there is something that I want that's not sinful, I don't stop. I shout for them to join. Join me on my run towards the one that I love. It's about pulling people towards the distraction, your holy distraction. Okay. I love that. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand side of the God. This is where we go. Um, for consider him who has endured such hostility against himself so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. Like I've said to you guys so many times, it always boils down to looking at who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and why Jesus did it. And then allowing for that to determine all of yes, your actions, thoughts, yes. and, and choices in your life. But anyway, back to the Father's discipline. You have not re yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Death. That's what he's saying. So Jesus did. He, he's like... Um, in your striving against sin and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the lord nor faint when you are reproved by him for those whom the lord loves he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you endure god deals with you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline but if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate children and not sons furthermore we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and love <laughs> Yes, and glory. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing of like when I feel like I'm stuffing up, and then I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit leading me towards a place of um, humility, repentance, and conformity to the likeness of Christ. In that place, I can recognize the Father's love as I have been accepted and transformed. Because there was a time in my life when none of those thoughts come to me. Yeah, discipline then equals love. Straight Discipline away. equals love. Mm. And, and then in the last two minutes, answering your question about forgiveness towards other people, there needs to be both a gentle, compassionate, humble, gracious heart in every encounter, as well as a heart that is willing to lay down the truth of the gospel or lay down the truth of the scripture. So speak truth in love the the idea is that you don't not speak truth and only show hugs and giggles and rainbows it's that i'm willing to actually say listen i forgive you and i love you and genuinely what 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 you have done towards me is it's water on a duck's back or cam whatever the saying is I, I wanted to say camel's back but that doesn't seem like it's the right thing <laughs> water on the camel's back um anyway it is on a duck's back no it's water under a bridge or what off a duck's back? Okay. Because the feathers have that oil. Yes. I'm so good at words. You do what you do. You do idioms. Oh, idioma. Yeah. Anyway, so when I address that, I say to that person following on my very gracious, uplifting, encouraging way, I say to them, Firstly, like I said, why do you why did you do this? Let's explore what the reasons are and then how can we find a path by which you would not do that again? And again, if the same thing continuously happens, then disconnect yourself from that person. There's not a 
Forgiveness does not imply reconciliation, although reconciliation is the, the goal. It doesn't imply that in every situation reconciliation becomes the goal. You know what I mean? Like reconciliation is what we strive towards. But if we can only um, bro uh, get to the point of forgiveness where it's one-sided and not necessarily symbiotic, where the other person's not willing to walk a road where they too are humbling themselves and enjoying themselves to love so as for you to promote unity, then um, you stop, you know... Let that person go. Yeah. Purge yourself of the wicked. No, dust your feet off. Slipping once <laughs> like that. So much chuck the dust in them, you Imagine. stupid heathen. And now God, break their teeth. <laughs> no, don't do that. Just love. All right. Yeah. That's forgiveness. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. Cool. In, in a, like a nutshell. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah. yeah.